Hey everybody, welcome of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and season five is rocking and rolling as always. Unfortunately, I didn't get this person on for season four, but I had to reach out to a very good friend of mine and ask him to come back on. He's a fan favorite, none other than my friend, my brother, and a guy that I look up to all the time, Mr. Trevor Toecracker Crook. Trev, thanks for being here, man. Good night, mate. It's good to be back. Ah, uh, man. So glad that, we're, that you're here. It's been one hell of a crazy 2018. 2019 has been kicking off in crazy ways in its own right. Um, yeah, you're back in Poland uh, when we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. I just moved back uh, end of uh, December. I mean, after living, or say living, paying rent in an apartment in uh, Tuscany for 15 months and only sleeping there about three months of the year, um, and then spending more time in Poland, I decided to move back for, for some personal reasons. Um, and to be honest, mostly because my uh, little goddaughter, who will be two in about three weeks, three or four weeks, uh, speaks Polish, obviously, and I can't bloody communicate with her. So, um, you know, I've come back to spend spend more time and watch her grow a little bit and obviously learn some Polish so I can actually have a proper conversation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back here. So it's a place that uh, has a lot of memories for me. So it's good to be a lot, back. A lot of good memories for you because I remember how many times you've spoken about it. And that's really cool. I'm glad that you're there with your goddaughter as well. Just a real quick shout out to our sponsors for the show again, one of them being the lifestyle the international the internationallifestyle.com so the internationallifestyle.com which is Trevor's site you guys can go check out some really cool stuff there on how he does that um and also sponsored by uh adelamarcy.com where you guys can go check out the new site that we've had built up and made it look all pretty and stuff but more importantly there is a group that i want to actually pitch to you guys and tell you to go check out and that is beers bourbon and business which is trevor's group and i remember when you first founded this that group is like so influential to so many people if you use it correctly it's great me i'm a lurker so i don't really interact as much but i still go in there and get a lot of value from it whenever i'm there so i recommend that you guys do the same um not the same as in what i do go in there interact join and actually get a lot out of it because trevor gives a hell of a lot in there as does everyone really now my real my first question to you more than anything mate is what have you been up to that's really been impactful over the last since the last time we spoke, like two years ago? Well, shit, I've spent more time traveling than doing anything. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm obviously I'm still working, right? But um, you know, mostly when I say work, it's uh, mentoring a combination of you know high level copywriters, some business owners. And also about actually ooh, uh, 14 months ago, maybe, I started taking on copy protégés. So, you know, that was uh, that was definitely um, an interesting time, um, taking on writers who have been, you know, have some experience, but, you know, not cracking 100,000, um, you know, struggling to get paid what they're worth and just sort of, you know, toe cracking them along the way so they get results, as well as you know, obviously you know, selling a bit of product, uh, doing select copywriting projects, but uh, just sort of pretty much sticking to what I'm all about, which is living the international lifestyle, traveling the world, yet still making money. That's pretty awesome. So when you when you come down to actually working with um, copywriters that either come on either as protégés or just people that hire you for mentoring what are some of the first things that you look at um 
that they could start fixing? Like, what are the most common problems? Because I know these are different to, like, before when we've had these personal discussions, but what have you seen as the most common problem? Or problems, uh, rather? Most of, most of people's uh, main problems are in their own head. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, they can't get out of their own way, a, a lot of people, so you've really got to, you know, I've got to spend a, quite a bit of time just sort of helping them get their head right because if I can't help them get their the mentality right, well, it's going to be very hard for, for me to deliver the results that I want to deliver for them, obviously, that they want to be able to, to achieve over that, you know, initial 90-day period. And then if they're happy with the results and getting results, you know, most writers continue. So that's one of the first things that I do work on. And uh, also, the, positioning is, is a copywriter's worst nightmare for most copywriters, okay? As in, they don't know how to position themselves correctly. Um, they're not showcasing their proof correctly, and therefore, they're not getting the higher-paying fees on copy projects that they desire. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've been there so many times, and it's a constant—it's a constant thing for me, at least. Uh, I don't know if you found it that way. It's constant keeping on top of like where your mind goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you and I both know, I, whenever I talk to somebody about mentoring, whether I talk to somebody about a copy project, you know, I never spit the fees out on the call and I'm a big believer in never doing so because if you're on a call with somebody um, as a copywriter talking to them about a, talking to a prospect about, about a potential project and you know, they might know a little bit about you, but they don't know all the, the proof and the runs and the board that you have, and you just slap out a figure on the call, uh, chances are they're going to say no because they're not going to understand the full value of what you're offering. So, you know, that's one of the things I ram home to all of the writers that I, I mentor uh, or even, you know, anyone that basically gives a, some sort of quote for fees is that you really want to do a detailed proposal Right, which has all the, the proof elements, the offer, the risk reversal, et cetera, et cetera, and the reasons why people should hire you. At the same time, you know, when I send it off via email, I send it off so they can make an informed decision either way. If they say no, that's fine, right? I've done everything I can to justify the fees. If they don't see the value, it's not my issue, right? But I can tell you my mentoring proposal converts at roughly 95 yep. percent and my copy projects at plus 90 minimum 90 percent right. so but you know my one proposal is 25 pages long and the other is about 18. yeah i remember you uh, i remember getting the privilege of having a look at that and i can tell you guys from experience it is one hell of a proposal like i looked at it and i was like i want to hire him that's how yeah. crazy it was. It wasn't even like given to me to like, hey, read this so you can hide. It was just like, hey, man, you're, you're a friend of mine. I want you to have a read of this. So I was like very grateful for it because I know people have paid, like, was it $10,000 and upwards for this kind of thing? Well, um, there's definitely, a, there's definitely a, a product that I've been sort of, um, you could say it's in beta testing, I guess, where I know, I know that format works for me in mentoring or copywriting. It works for anybody doing any sort of coaching. Um, it works for my writers that I've trained. But, you know, over the last 12 months or so, um, I've had other people 
um, paying me to basically help guide them through and extract the proof elements that basically is sitting in their head right now, right, or, or might be in some testimonial somewhere, and helping them formulate and follow my, my proven model. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, book publishing consultants, um, someone that's uh, in the uh, alternative health, you know, pain-free, pain-free area and various um, other sort of professions who are all getting major results and boosting their conversions like out of the park. So, you know, that's a product that I sort of, I said, I've been beta testing, but I'll launch that properly this year and that's going to be minimum five grand, right? You know, why? Because it's bloody worth it, you know? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's one of those things that people really don't understand. Don't get me wrong. I love people that do have lower end products that do work, but when it comes from someone that is of your stature, if it's lower than that amount, then Honestly, it, it's you're doing something for a very particular reason. But usually, when you're offering something for five grand, that's like this. I guarantee you, you'll pro if you apply. If anyone listening, if you if you listen to this and you're like, oh, I'm thinking about applying for Trevor's thing when this thing comes out, when the show releases, I'll give you an, I'll give you a straight guarantee from my side. And this is just something that I do know of Trevor because I've, we've spent so much time together. If you apply what he says, you will make your return on investment quicker than you could imagine without a doubt if you fuck around and do nothing you'll be sat there wondering why you didn't do anything and then bitch and moan about it i guarantee you put put a little time into it and i guarantee you will get a result back out of it so out of that entire thought process because i want to go back to the mindset for a second what is it that you do or help instill in someone's mind to actually move them towards actually believing in themselves? Because that's kind of like that for me personally, that's the thing that I've been looking at for 2019 is going down the path of self-belief more rather than just kind of doubting whether or not I can do something. Like what is it that you personally like start telling copywriters without giving the entire thing away to help them on that path? Well, the, generally um, during the, the, the first session I do with them, which is usually about two hours long, that first session, right? Right. Is that towards the end of it, um, I set them basically, you know, a, a homework, you know, a project task to have done by the next week's session. And I tell them part one, obviously, and then I tell them, you know, this is part one, and then part two, we're going to go through once I've seen your list. And that list is is that they have to make a detailed list of their successes in life. Now, not just in business, personal as well. And I'll always joke around something like, you know, you might not remember wiping your own ass for the first time, but I sure as shit know your mum and dad do, right? And they usually have a bit of a laugh about it. But I say, look, go back as far as you can in your memory I said, again, uh, you mightn't remember this, but again, I know your parents will remember it. Tying your shoelaces for the first time was a success, right? So go back, it might be scoring that winning goal in a football match or hitting the winning runs in cricket or, you know, whatever it happens to be, right? Yeah. Successes that you, you rate as some sort of success. Now, I've had people, when they send me their lists, you know, their success might be getting off heroin or meth, you know, alcohol, getting divorced. Some people as a success. I don't really care. It's about getting them to understand they've been successful all through their life. 
Now, what's interesting was uh, today I watched a video that uh, Matt Fury had put up on his YouTube channel, and he's talking about the millionaire mindset. Yeah, and it was going on about you know basically going back to your successes and revisiting those, and you know, but something that he that he does one step further is that let's say you have a situation where uh, I, I'll, I'll use his example based on something about me. Right now, on my cricket cricket playing days, um, you know, I hung my I hung my uh, boots up shit back in '91. Um, but you know, when I was playing cricket full time, I remember playing this one game where, on the the second week, um, two two of our batsmen just didn't turn up. So we you know we got nine batsmen, not eleven. Wow. And all of it, you know, within no time, like we were like seven seven for 50 runs or something like that, right? Chasing chasing 100 and something to win. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, now I would either go out all, all guns blazing and make runs or get out. That was my style. And it's like, you know what? It's up to me. I can win this, right? No other, the only batsmen that come in after me really should be the 12th man, not, not, the, not the 11th man, you know? Because he just can't hold a bat to save himself, and anyway, I'm smacking sixes, I'm smacking fours, and we're getting closer and closer, and then um, another wicket falls, so we got one wicket left, and and this guy comes in, and it's the longest he's ever batted in his life, right? Mm-hmm. But within about I think seven runs of the win, and I went for I got bowled a soccer ball, I got bowled a bounce that I went to smack out of the park, and I got caught, right? Now, the reality is, if we had the two other batsmen, we probably we we probably would have won, right? But we were too short. Now, for a long time, I never saw that as a, as a success. But the way uh, Matt Fury explained it today, you can go back and edit that. Up until that point, that inning was a success, right? So, you know, think of things in your life that are your success. Make that list, right? And then, obviously, because this is a podcast, I'll give. What is what is the second part, right? So anyone's listening to this, make your list and write it out on paper. Don't use your bloody laptop, right? Make your list. And then once you've done that, rank them in, you know, you can rank them in any order, but at least if you've got 20 or 30 on that list, most people should be able to come up with at least 20, right? You can choose all, but I, I usually say choose your top, top, you know, 12 to 15 or your top 10, Right, and then use that success as basically like a headline, and then write one to two paragraphs about what that success meant and means to you. And then when you've done that, print each success off, cover it and laminate, and put it up around your home office or wherever you're going to see it daily, and read your successes daily. So you've got a constant reminder that you've had successes in your life. And that generally does help you get a better mindset, puts you in a better frame. But obviously, as you get more successes, add more to it. Is that, is that pretty clear? That is pretty clear. So yeah, as you basically, after you laminate the input around your house, you basically just keep adding to them. Yeah. And just remind yourself of that time. Yep. That's powerful. I mean, one of the biggest, like that's something I am doing um, because I'm currently redecorating my apartment. So I'm getting rid of the sofas, getting rid of a few other things as well. The big cat cage is all going away. 
um and i'm because like the back wall and trev you've been to my place so you know this you know the giant weird pink paper clip i have on the wall that my friend gave me so i'm getting rid of all of that i think i'm just gonna hang all my successes on that single wall so i can see it every day while i'm in my living room nice yeah just as a constant reminder because it is one of those things and something i will say that you and that you would understand because you know you're old not just old school in the way that it is but it, it's you understand where it comes from for the mind and that is there is a very particular reason why trevor actually told you for the people listening um why you should write things down by hand when you write them down by hand it actually etches it into your brain when you type it up on a computer it doesn't have the same learning motion to actually etch it into your brain and doing so actually makes it more believable. I mean, think about it. If, you, if I told you right now, actually, if, just do the exercise that Trevor told you. Try it in two different ways. Write one of your successes up, type it up, and write the other one up by hand and see which one you recall over 30 days. I guarantee you'll recall the one that you wrote by hand more clearer and more vividly than you would if you typed it up. It's just a truth and what it is. Now, bouncing off of that because this is quite powerful how do you keep those exact same things when you're traveling internationally because you do it all the time do you have like a folder that you keep with you or uh look the only the only real way you can do it as a folder but um the amount of paper that i have it's ridiculous so fortunately for those those things are just on a laptop for me because i do travel so much i mean last year the longest i spent in one bed in consecutive nights is 22 nights for the year and the previous year was 21 right so you know you, you get to travel lean and mean so it's um for me it's just done like that you know you could do a slide so you could do your own powerpoint presentation you know um i've also now got and i probably should do this because i've got the ipad pro now um with the the, the pencil is but i can actually write write those out by hand in cursive and just have them on my uh, on my iPad and look at them that way. But you know, at the end of the day, the important thing is that you're constantly reminding yourself of those successes, whether it's you know something that you have typed out in the end or whether you have written it out by hand. But you know, you need to be able to sort of get the the right frame of mind, especially then subconsciously, that you are successful, because otherwise, it's pretty much a waste of time. Yeah. Right? Definitely would be in that sense. And how are you find the iPad Pro, by the way? I know it's a really dumb question to ask because I'm actually I was looking at that and Remarkable. They were like the two I was looking at most. Um, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I use the Notability app, so you know, again, up until I bought that, you know, I mean, the amount of the amount of yellow legal pads probably got stored in various countries across the globe and or thrown out with massive amounts of uh, acres of diamonds on each one, um, you know, because the amount of mentoring I do, uh, now it's just all on the iPad and I use Notability it's, it's, uh, as, the, as the app fraud. It's fantastic. That's brilliant, man. I'm glad to hear that because that's actually kind of selling me to the idea of getting one um, relatively soon just because then I have, because I love writing and you've seen, as anyone that knows me, like the first, if you want to buy me a Christmas gift or any gift in particular, if you get me a notepad, I literally jump for joy. I'm really gleeful about notepads. Like it, it's kind of crazy because my um my parents found this out. <laughs> Bless them. My mum got me a notepad, and my dad got me um he he got me I think it was like exploding kittens as a game. 
just gave them to me. Oh, well, here you go. I was so, and I really wanted to play Exploding Kittens with my friends, but I was so enamored with like my notepad that I was like, this is my thing. I, I, I to this day still use, like I use that notepad all the time. I haven't played Exploding Kittens in ages. And it's just the thing because it gives me a freedom to write and actually jot down ideas. And truth is, again, as Trevor said, sometimes you lose notepads that do have genuine, just gems inside of them. And you can't, and you can't recall some of them because, you know, you've had to throw them out. You left them in different places. There are parents' places. Having it all stored in one place sounds like a great idea. Now, something I did want to ask you in particular here when it comes down to traveling, um, especially because you traveled, uh, you traveled mostly around Europe last year, didn't you? Or did you like try travel out to the States as well? Uh, no, last year was, um, I already posted with this before. I did, uh, I had, I went to Thailand twice as in two trips, but in between I went to Malaysia and back. I went to America a couple of times and then predominantly, uh, in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like in, like, how what was it like in Thailand? I've not been there since I was 16, so it's been a long time for me. Yeah. I mean, Nice and hot, you know, of course, good food, lots of spice. Um, you know, for me, I, I spend most of my time in Chiang Mai, um, although I was in Bangkok uh, in December for the um, the affiliate uh, networking world world conference, but just, just for networking type stuff. But um, I like Chiang Mai, you know, it's just very chill and, you know, it's, it's not – Bangkok doesn't really interest me, Pattaya – Phuket does really interest me. I like to go somewhere where I can chill and just, you know, do whatever the hell I want, but relax at the same time. So, you know, I'm probably going back to uh, Thailand in February to speak at uh, David Kavanagh's event. So, um, so yeah, I'll probably be back there a little bit more and um, explore Asia a little bit more. You know, at the moment, um, you know, whilst I've moved back to, to Poland, um, you know, I've only rented this apartment for three months and then I think I'll just start, um, I'll leave everything here but at my friend's, in my friend's, uh, you know, storage uh, basement and just not have a home base for the rest of the year, which is something I haven't, you know, realistically, I haven't done that um, other than three months out of one year. Um, in 2013, I did that. But that's the first time ever. This will be, you know, that's the only time I've done that since 2006 since I left Australia. And whilst generally always traveling, paying double rents or, you know, having an apartment, paying hotels and Airbnbs. Um, so I think once my three months is up here at the beginning of April, um, I'm just going to, you know, choose a country for a, a month or two and then rent somewhere and then go somewhere else and go somewhere else. But, you know, already, I mean, I've got... Um, I've got the uh, the travel schedule is Thailand for a couple of weeks in February, back at the end of February for Carnival in Venice. Uh, March, I'm in the US for a KISS concert. And then um, April, I'm speaking at um, Justin Devonshire's uh, private mastermind to his high-end clients in Cyprus. So already, you know, the year's, you know, getting a little bit full. That sounds excellent, my friend. And the good news is, again, this is kind of more between us, but I'm letting you guys in on this. Uh, it looks like I actually may be joining you guys in June. In uh, wherever the hell you are, I will be there. 
aha, you're finally going to get that thing called a passport, are you? Yeah, finally getting that shit sorted so I can travel again. <laughs> God damn. I'm actually heading off to Belfast uh, on Friday this week. Nice. Yeah, so I, re- I realized I can go to Belfast, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll go to Belfast. But um, yeah, it looks like the passport situation is finally getting resolved properly with the author- with the right government agencies in place, which is lovely. And that means I'll be able to travel and join you guys, finally. And you do know that we're going to have to send David Walsh a video. Just not tell him, just end up there and just send him a video. Of like, course. Yeah, I'm not a hologram. <laughs> I'm not a hologram this time. Nicely done. Oh, just so much fun. So something I did want to ask you, like particularly because the last time we spoke, and I remember you you recommended, uh, what was it famous ah, Julian? Was it Watkins? Mm-hmm. Julian Watkins. His book. It's been that book has been so instrumental, like about how I look at ad writing. Um, has there been anything that you've actually come up with in the last I don't know, like eighteen months since we well, last twelve months really that you've read? You've gone okay. This is a book that I will recommend to almost everyone. Uh, look, there's, I haven't been reading a lot of new books, but I can get you the title of one. Um, one that I have read and one that, um, one that I'm, um, will be reading next, right? The one that I've read, which I do highly recommend is called ice to the Eskimos, um, with a subtitle of how to market a product nobody wants. It's a story about the NBA's top marketer who shares his battle-tested secrets to jumpstart sales, excite customers, and improve your bottom line. It's got some really uh, cool gems in there, and what he was able to do, um, you know, for basically, you know, NBA teams that nobody, that nobody wanted and uh, turn them around is is quite a good read. And the other one, this was recommended by, I can't remember who uh, recommended it on stage, maybe Craig Clements or it was uh, Kevin Halbert, but I was over at the Gary Halbert Memorial event in Vegas last June, and this book was recommended called Wired for Story. Yeah, by Lisa Cron. Yeah, yeah, writers using brain science to help readers from the very first sentence, so... You know, that's something that I grabbed. So at the moment, I'm actually just sort of rereading some old books um, because like anything, you know, you either forget stuff um, you go, shit, yeah, I meant to do that, didn't do it. And just that refresh and rereading something is that you, you'll pick up things that you missed, right? right. And one book that, um, that I am reading at the moment, um, you might have this one, but... It's from Napoleon Hill, but it's not Think and Grow Rich. It's called Napoleon Hill's A Year of Growing Rich, 52 Steps to Achieving Life's Rewards. And basically, for each week, there's a lesson. So you read the lesson for the week. You read it daily for the week. right? And so, hence the year's just started. So, you know, I just completed the I just completed the first week, and uh, you know, obviously this week is is week two. And I'll you know, and this book I've had this book for uh, literally first time I saw this was two thousand and four in Barnes and Noble in Los Angeles, and I grabbed it, right? And um, it's got a lot of good lessons in there, and it's always travelled with me. That's excellent. See, that's something that I really I've not got that book but i have read it 
mm-hmm. um, because a friend of mine gave it to me a while ago. Unfortunately, it's at my parents' house, so I might go pick that up uh, at the end of the month when I go see my family. Um, that's a great book. The one that I got recommended recently by Marlon Sanders was Make Some Noise. Nice. Oh, Marlon. Good band. Yeah. Have you, have you read that yet? Or No, no, I haven't. Okay, so um, I recently picked it up. It's basically... Um, God, it's Ken something. Make hold on, let me find him. Make some noise, and it's by Ken. Ken Schmidt. Uh, it's basically the guy that was behind Harley Davidson on how to basically get noticed in a uh, very loud market, like how to basically stand out in a very loud markets. I've only started reading it. It's a really good book. Um, I'd recommend to anyone reading, checking it out because Marlon really went to town on that one with me. He was like, yeah, you need to read that. So like, fine, I'll pick it up and go with it. Um, nice. Yeah, look, so- I mean, there's so many great books out there. And um, I mean, as you know, right? And I'm sure we've all said, yeah, I meant to get that book. Um, you know, I've read the book. But, you know, reading it, one thing, implementing something or a strategy that's within, that's within the book, um, which helps you in some part of in your life, whether it's personal or business. I mean, if you look at um, you know the classic books and you know like scientific advertising as an example, um, Robert Colley letter book and all the other stuff that people will, will go on about. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when I think Ray Edwards was interviewing um, Jay Abraham, mm-hmm. and um, he said. He's read scientific advertising more than 50 times. Yeah. The same as Robert Collier Letterbook. And hang on, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry about that. And there's one that he he has the actual, thank you, the actual the book, but he doesn't ever leave home without it. Now I've got to find the bloody thing now, of course. Um, it is called, I think, My Life With Your Money. I think it is. See, I've never even heard of that title. Yeah, I posted about it in Beers, Bourbon and Business. Um, but, yeah, I think it's called My Life With Your Money. And it's a powerful lesson. While you're like looking for that, I'm just going to give you guys just a heads up here. That's a powerful lesson that Trevor's actually already given you guys right there. That's incredibly, it's it's in, it's incredible when it's applied. And that is, apply what you read before you move on to something else. Because that is, that's instrumentally key. Because every year I started doing, ever since I started doing this, like I have seen a positive change in the way that I want to do things. Um, every single year, I make a list of the books that I want to read that year. It's not 52 books. It's usually like 15. It's 15 books that I want to read or listen to in different areas. So I have, I have, a, I have three books on jujitsu that I like to read, um, a couple of books on advertising. Every single year I put Robert uh, Robert Greene's books on my on my list, whether it's the 48 Walls Power, Mastery, whatever. It they're, they're always on my list. But the reason I keep going back to them isn't because I don't want to learn something new or understand something new. It's because I want to gain more mastery around that subject before I look to move forward. Yeah. And granted, yeah, yeah fair enough. I will recommend books like A Crazy Person because... I got the book title wrong before I I'll interrupt. Oh. 
but it's uh, My Adventures with Your Money by George Graham, as in G-R-A-A-H-A-M, George Graham Rice. And, uh, you know, it's a book that he said he, he never travels anywhere without that book. So, you know, coming from Jay Abraham, it's like, I've got to get that book, right? Now, here's the thing. He said that on an interview, and I wonder how many people heard the interview like me but never got off their freaking ass and found the book. Yeah. I did. You can, get, you can get it on Amazon. Yeah. You know, well, I found it initially on a free version on a, on a, on a book site, which has thousands upon thousands of freaking PDFs for free um, of eBooks, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's just, again, you know, that's me taking action where somebody else goes, yeah, I'm, that sounds good. I must get it. Um, but don't go to look for it or give up before because they might have found it hard to find, you know. So, you know, in terms of books, you know, I mean, I used to be an absolute uh, ferocious uh, reader of books. And, you know, uh, over, over the years, especially as travel, I've gotten, I've gotten slack, right? And so, um, you know, this, that's not even about, I don't do New Year's resolutions, they're for wankers, right? But... <laughs> You know, just my focus has changed since, you know, since my dad's death, you know, a couple of months ago. And uh, it just made me realize a little bit more about life and how, I've, you know, I live a very good lifestyle, but, you know, I'm no spring chicken, you know, I'm, I'm 54 in March. So I want to make sure that when I retire, you know, that's in, in inverted commas, that the lifestyle is well paid for. Right, so I'm sort of getting back into, you know, a little bit more work mode and getting a bit more serious. And, you know, part of the process is getting back into reading daily like I used to, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, speaking at an event in 2005 in the U.S. And uh, one of the speakers is a guy called William E. Bailey. Now, uh, I mean, he's... He, he got his, I think it's the Horatio Auger Award uh, with Ray Kroc for McDonald's and and um, I think Trudeau or somebody else like that at the time. And this is a guy that his network marketing company, I think in um, the late 60s, was doing about $69 million a month. So, you know, somebody that you take note of and knows how to generate, generate business and he was around, I'm guessing, 80 years age at the time. And he said to me, you know, how many, how many books do you read, um, you know, a year? And I said, oh, you know, I usually read about one book a day. And he looked at me fair in the eyes and he goes, Sonny, start reading a book a day. And I, and I was like, holy shit. And he, he was serious. He meant it. You know, and what's interesting about that guy is that, there's a very um, well-known motivational speaker that um, everyone sort of um, mentions that so-and-so's quote, so-and-so's quote, so-and-so's quote. That's what he's known for, right? Well, guess what? Who, did, who, was, uh, who was Tony Robbins' mentor? Jim Rohn? Yeah. Well, have a guess who was Jim Rohn's mentor. This guy that you're talking about. Yes, exactly. Right. And you know, that's a very little known fact. Um, but, you know, so, you know, and that brings us up to something else, you know, that there's always someone that's known for something, but generally some, they've learned that from somebody else as well. Yeah. 
you know, and you know, I find this uh, with the, the 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 newer brigade of um, copywriters, you know, who well. Um, Okay, Matt Fury is the example, right? And, you know, Matt and I have been friends for a long time. But, um, you know, somebody say, who's the best email copywriter? And people will rattle off names that, that are still are very good at what they do, like Ben Settle, right? Right. But Ben himself will acknowledge that he learned his stuff, his email copy from Matt Fury, you know? And, and I've always said, well, Ben's great, Chaperon's great, it's a bloody great email writers out there to learn from but if you want to learn from the guy who is the freaking best who many people in very high positions or you know very prominent uh, websites confirm as well it's matt fury first and daylight second you know so there's always someone you know that if you look up look up to somebody right there's generally they've learned that information from somebody else they might have adapted it to to their own style but they've generally, they learnt it from somebody above them. Definitely. I was going to ask real quickly, who was the other person you just mentioned right now, number two? Um, this is the name. It's Andy, uh, Ben Settle. Right. And is it a- Andrew Chaperon? Yeah, Andrew. I thought you for a second you were like, because um, I thought you said it goes Matt Fury, and then I thought you said a different name. Matt Fury first and Daylight second is what I oh, said. Yeah, Daylight. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, for example, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, I can, you know, I know how to write a bit of copy, of course, but you know, even myself, you know, the Christmas present to myself this year was buying his Tao of email course. Yeah. Why? Because I'm about to build email lists again and e- an email, and I want to make sure my email copy chops are sling blade sharp. Mm-hmm. So that one person who I'd go to for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole thing. Like, I was honored to have, like, Matt as a guest on the show. And that guy is, in, first of all, sweetest guy that you could probably talk to. So nice. But his ability to look at copy is incredible, especially with email. Because I think you told me as well, at the height, like, when he really was going for it, he was making, like, 40-something million a year on emails alone. No, no it wasn't that figure. You've got to be careful quoting figures. I know the figure. Um, because, um, you know, we have a testimonial, but, um, it was, you know, very, very substantial. Um, so, you know, but yeah, no, it wasn't 40 million a year, but that was definitely, um, you know, a substantial a number. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my mistake on uh, that number, but still like, it's incredible. And that's who you really want to go to is those masters. At what they do it's the same as like with going to you for copy mentoring it's you've got a track record of what you've done and the best thing about it is that you are not shy about telling people what to do like you need to get this done you need to get this done you need to get this done that's powerful because so many of your students have gone forward and done some great things yeah well, i mean it and that's what it's you know i mean it's if they're getting the results i'm happy if they're not Right, which happens from time to time. I'll look at it. Is it something I'm doing? Um, do I need to redo something for them? Is the head not right? You know, and you know, I've had a case recently actually where I, we'd finished about oh, three months with a with a mentoring client last year, sort of late late May, somewhere around then, and um, didn't continue. Um, you know, 
He was going through some stuff. His head wasn't right. And it wasn't worth continuing, right? Right. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is he approached me just before Christmas and realized that, shit, you know, my head was definitely in the wrong space. Um, I probably stopped the mentoring a bit too soon, but, you know, I've been working on, you know, getting his own headspace right, and he wants to start again. You know, and I... And he, then he asked what I mentor him, and I said, I'll only mentor you again if your head is in the right space and not up your ass. I said, because it's just not going to work. Right? So I said, if you're pretty confident, you, you're definitely getting back in the, the right, you know, the right frame of mind, well, then I'll happily mentor you again. Because I don't want to go down another three months or even longer if he's not quite prepared to do what needs to be done because... I won't succeed for him. Yeah. So that he's invested money that he's not getting the, the best return on, right? And, I, you know, I'm wasting his time. So I prefer to tell him up front. Yeah, which is like something they always admire about you. Is that if someone's not right with you, you're just going to be like, nope, doesn't matter. I'll go say goodbye to you. Or we'll come back and visit this some other time. Yeah, you know, or, you know, if, if, if they're not quite, if there's something happening and I go, you know what, well, um, they're not quite right, as in they're not, not getting stuff done, I'll stay with them a bit longer, right, just to to make sure they do get, you know, I mean, get more than what they've invested in, but make sure they, they get, their, get their shit together because otherwise it just it reflects on them and it reflects on me, you know. But I can tell you, you know, probably 98% of my mentoring students stay with me over a year, you know, um, I've one that we've just done. We've just completed four years mentoring with. Wow. Right. You know, he doesn't pay full fees anymore, but we don't do full sessions either. It's more of a just a, he has me on tap to be able to ask me stuff and help him develop a big idea and you know do a, a, a critique of his copy. And um, you know, it's just it's good for him because it's uh, you know, and it's good for me because I get to see what he's writing and I learn a lot from that. And I find a few tweaks, but you know, it just keeps him sharper, and um, it's it's a win-win for both. Yeah, that's that's how it's meant to be most of the time, which is a really good way of looking at it, approaching it. So, Trev, one of my favorite, one of the questions I love asking on this show, and I'm not going to ask you the same questions I usually do, um, but it's particular with, and it's very sp- it's specific to you, and it's what would be three things that someone could do today to start working on building their copy chops? Like, what would those three specific things be? Um, and let's let's actually let's critique it. They're an intermediate copywriter. They're not at the point where they've done this for five, ten, fifteen plus years. They're in their first five years. They're kind of still finding their feet. They're understanding themselves a little better. They're still they're writing, but they're not getting the successes they they want. That kind of person. Well, first of all, they need to do the uh, list of successes in life, like I suggested earlier. Yep. Right, uh, and really start to think about that. And then um, they need to work on actually putting a, a proposal together which is going to convert their prospects into higher paying copy clients. Now, because if someone's uh, been copywriting for a few years and got some runs on the board, chances are they're not showcasing that correctly. Yeah. Right? So... 
you know, as per the find the man example within um, the Julian Watkins book, which you mentioned earlier, right, greatest advertisements, start thinking, start writing snapshot case studies. In other words, make a list of every known success that your copy has gotten for your clients. Just make like a little headline or a little title, right? right. And let's say if it was me, it's like, okay, two-page letter, for me in and sales. So I know to write about that, right? right. Um, you know, increased sales, uh, 50, 20, sorry, 20,000 a week to 76,400 the next week, right? Stuff like that. Just make a list, right? And then almost similar to the, the list of successes in life, once you've got the list of your copy successes, go and write one paragraph as a snapshot case study about that success that you got for your client. Now, even if you don't have the testimonial from the client to back it up, but you know that's happened or they've told you, then you can use that in case study format, right? That will help the copywriter to be able to close more deals, right? And at higher fees because, you know, when you start to really think about all the successes your copy's gotten for your clients over the years, Right, it helps your own head game. Go, you know what? I can actually justify charging more money. Right, but one of the biggest things is whether you're male or female. Right, it's just a just terminology. Have balls big enough, right, to quote fees that you can genuinely deliver on, not that you know you want to charge twenty five thousand for for a sales letter, but you, at the moment you're charging five, it's never gonna happen, right? But in other words, be prepared to really put the fee out there that you think you're genuinely worth, and then have the balls to go, you know what? If they don't run with it, that's okay, right? In other words, don't be afraid to miss out on the business. Right? Don't lose any sleep over it. You know, I did a proposal um, just oh, beginning of December for somebody, and, you know, here's the thing. There really wasn't much copy to write initially, right? Mm -hmm. A few emails, a couple of adverts. That's pretty much it, right? right. This particular person who's in the, who's in the, the weight loss industry um, wants to gear up that they're spending a minimum, like they're on a scale of this year to be spending at least a million a month just on paid advertising. Thing, right, so to give you some idea what sort of figures they want to generate, and I sent out my proposal, and I knew it would give the person heart palpitations, right? Right, yeah, excuse me, can edit that out. And it wasn't for the fact that um, he, he understands what I do and my proof elements, right? But I don't think he was uh, expecting such a high fee for such a small amount of copy, right? Right. But as I explained in the proposal and on the call and in the email I sent it to, right? So if you're copywriters, you really want to be listening to this. There's a lot of time and effort goes into the research aspect to find the hook and big idea, right, which will set his copy apart, right, and get him the results that he's chasing. 
Now, most copywriters, and say most, not all, but most, majority, I'm sure you can agree with this, right? Wouldn't know how to find a big idea if it bit them on the ass for their clients. Right? They don't do the research, they don't do the work, they don't keep digging and digging and digging, right? Yeah. And trying to find that something, that thing that's so bloody unique, right? That is the difference between beating a control, not beating a control, or smashing a control for somebody and still having the control a few years later. Now, when we did the last call, and I had written the sales letter for, for Agora's International Living. Yep. Um, well, that I mean, I wrote that about three years ago now. Um, this is coming up to the f fourth year, I think. Um, yeah. I still have the control for that one particular sales letter. Right? Why? Um, I'm not sure. I really, I mean, obviously the copy's good, but you know, it's in that sort of lifestyle area, so it's easier to, to keep a control in lifestyle as, as as over, you know, financial or something like that. But I did, here's the thing: I did the work to find the hook and big idea in the first place, right? and then wrote the copy around that, knowing that. This idea was so out there that if they don't like the letter, I'm not going to get paid the second half of the, the fee on the contract, let alone the royalties, right? I was prepared to have that letter flop as opposed to play it safe and write something on you I could write with one hand tied behind my back and beat their current control. Yeah. Right? It was like go big or go home. So, Okay. Let, let's, you know, snap snapshot it down. One, make your list, right, basically headline style first, then a paragraph. Make your list of all the successes your copy has gotten for your clients and then write a, one, one paragraph, maybe two, short paragraph in a, in a case study version, right? That's going to help you position yourself better and get charged higher fees, right? Two, right. be no, I'll just say, edit it. Don't be fucking lazy, right? When it comes to the research, right? Find it's your job. You're getting paid to write copy. You do the work. Find the hawk slash big idea, right? Because the more work you put into that, the better your copy's going to be, right? The more satisfied your client's going to be, which does several things. A, if you're on any sort of royalty deal, it's more money for you. B, you smash it out of the park for them, they're likely to hire you again and or refer you, right? And three, right, I, it's editing, right? Yeah. Now, you know, this is more when you get that copy project, right? But, I mean, start to really give yourself an uppercut, right, when it comes to editing copy. Now, I was one of the laziest mofos out there for probably a decade in terms of editing, right? Probably like a lot of copywriters, look at it once, fix up a few things and send it off. And I would say, yeah, look, you know, I'm too close to this. Uh, there might, you know, you please go over in case you see any, you know, any typos or whatever, right? But over the last, you know, quite a few years, 
I spend considerable time in the editing process. Now, as an example, that letter I wrote for International Living, I edited that sales copy, which is only it was about 8,000 words or thereabouts, um, 17 times over five days before I would send the copy off to International Living to the publisher and the, and, and, and the editors. Right. Now, when that letter came back from legal, there was no challenge on any, anything, zero, right? Because I up all the claims, but even before it got to legal, um, international living themselves come back and they suggested a change on 12 words. Now, 12 of those, half of those words are simply calling, at changing one word for the title of their particular magazine. Right, that was it. So really only six words, right? So the better you get on editing, right, the better the copy is going to be for your client, which flows into everything else I just spoke about before. You know, repeat business, referrals, higher conversions, more satisfied clients, better testimonials, better use of case studies. If you're getting royalties, more royalty checks. So, you know, so what's interesting to me is last year, that letter, I got more royalties each quarter than I did the previous few years. Wow. Strange. All I do for them now is write them a new set of lift notes each year, which is email copy. I write them three to four new emails because they launch that they launch the control four times a year, and then they but they want new emails to go to the list, so the list isn't jaded by old emails they've seen before, right? But you know that's pretty much it. That's pretty amazing, especially with like everything that you said there. And something I want to kind of like touch upon real quickly in the last minute or two that we have, the idea that you gave me on looking at hooks and looking at big ideas with people and really digging through. And this is quite prevalent because I had this conversation with um, a lady yesterday who she helps, she basically helps mothers and infants uh, during the lactation process. So she basically consults on that kind of thing. And she, because the running consensus, consensus in her marketplace is that every mother should be able to breastfeed. Okay. And her thing is sometimes it's not just it's not just the mother, sometimes it's the baby, sometimes neither one can actually do it because of where they are. So you need to look at other solutions and so on and so forth. And the whole thing was like, why? my question to her was, why do you do what you do? And she kept giving me every answer under the sun. I just kept digging because you, you, you know this, after a while you kind of get an internal bullshit meter that you're like, you're not telling me everything I need to know. So I kept digging and it turned out the reason that she did what she did was because um, her younger sister died when she was, her sister was two and a half and she was nine and her sister passed away. And ever since then, she's just had like such a mothering uh, want to look after children. So she always wants to do that whenever she's around kids, every time that she deals with a parent and a child, her big thing is... I'm going to pick them up, make them feel like they're my own child because I went through this and I know what it's like for my mother when she lost her kid because I think it was malnutrition or cot death or something that basically caused it. And we went through that entire idea and reverse engineered it to the point where we had a polished gem in about 45 minutes. I was like, yeah, the, the, why Why did you, like, how come this was never there? Because I never thought of that would be my reason to why I do what I do. Yeah. It made complete sense. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, um, it, it's, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I mean, 
when you've done this a lot, like you have and like I have, you know, you can find a hook or big idea easier slash quicker, but it's not always so simple. No, it isn't. You know, and, um, you know, the typical person in business who really isn't, you know, who's writing their own copy, but, you know, to be honest, isn't a copywriter. Um, a lot of the times they struggle, especially the people in the, in the fitness weight loss, you know, fitness industry, the personal trainers and the, you know, the people that have gyms, etc. You know, they they all, you know, they all commit, you know, doing, you know, Dan Kennedy, you know, they all commit mar- marketing incest. They're saying the same bullshit. They got this pretty much the same offer, and they're assuming they know why their prospects are going to the gym. You know, um, you know, it, it, it's when you when you ask enough questions, right, and keep probing, especially with your own clientele, right, you get very different answers to what you think. You know, I've been mentoring a guy that's not a, not a copywriter as such. He's got a very successful training company in Australia, and he's got two two types of markets. And you know, he kept telling me this and telling me that, and I was like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think you're wrong. And um, I said, why don't you actually talk to past, you know, customers who have gone through your training and, and ask a whole series of questions, right? And he did. And the next week, he's like, this blew my mind. I had no idea. Right. This is the this is the number one reason they did it. Bang. They go. Okay. Well, then you start to you start to use that in your copy, and we develop a hook around that. Yeah. You know. But up until then, it was just what he thought that you know was the reason they went for the went for him over somebody else. So you know, um, the top of those skills apart from the normal stuff and copy, you know. But they're three big things that will make a, a copywriter who's, you know, sort of average struggling to, to get the decent fees will make them um, stand out from the crowd over and above someone else, you know, trying to go for the same business. Agreed. Could not agree more. Anyway, Trev, thank you so much for coming on to the show today and actually sharing the time that you did. I know we're a little bit, we ran over a little bit of the time that uh, we allocated for the show today, but... It's always a pleasure speaking to you, man. And every time I walk away with like notes and things that I have to go do for myself. I appreciate uh, being back on, buddy. And I look forward to uh, you getting that passport and uh, catching up. You. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm going to be joining you. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, guys, go check out Biz, Bourbon, and Business on Facebook. Check out theinternationallifestyle.com. Uh, for Trevor's site and also if this is something that tickles your fancy and you're like oh I really want to get good at copy and all that the other go check out toecracker.com Trevor has like a a, there's a lot of posts on that that you can go check out there's um, I think you've got a copywriting program as well that you might be relaunching there's just a lot going on that you guys can learn from the man and he's he's amazing genuinely amazing and to give you an idea Trevor and I've been writing for almost well he's been writing professionally longer than I have but we've in a weird way, we both started around the same time, but he's been writing for a lot longer. I still look up to him to this day to get advice from, to give you an idea. And yes, I'm an egotistical prick at times where I'm like, nope, I know what I'm doing. I'll go do this. But I will humble myself before people I know that can literally kick my ass and actually they can teach me a lot of things. And Trevor's definitely on that list. So guys, go go to him. He's amazing. If you're a copywriter and you're looking for a mentor, look no further than Trevor. You'll get on the fast track way quicker than you can imagine. 
and um, Trev again could not see it better for you mate thanks again for being here and I really appreciate you cheers man have a good day guys bye, bye.